Thanks for joining me for the latest edition of Tui's News, the podcast. I'm Barry Tui alongside the Sultan of the Soundwaves, <laughs> Simon, uh, Simon McCarthy. How oh, are you, Simon? That's a favourite. I like that one. That's really good. <laughs> Man, I'm dead set running out. You've got no idea. The Sultan of... I don't even know whether I might have used it before, <laughs> to be honest. But I'll go back through the Rolodex of all the yes. business cards. Well, yeah. mate, this is our 90th... Pod, uh, 91st, sorry, podcast. This is number one. I was counting them the other day. Um, yeah, I think we we're up to about 91 this now. This is 91, yeah. I think, um, from memory. So, wow. Um, hard to believe. And and i got to say, Simon, you do a great job um, putting this <laughs> to air each week. <laughs> you do. Because um, I'm hopeless with all this um, technology, and as most people would know. It's all so. held together with like bubble gum and sticky tape. I, promise. <laughs> I don't care how you do it. <laughs> don't even try to explain to me how you do it. But uh, anyway, you do a great job. Um, Thanks, and we're obviously here courtesy of the Newcastle Herald and our major sponsor, West Group. And big thanks to West for their continued support. And the Newcastle Herald, who, um, if you if you want your fix as far as news, sport, and anything to do with Newcastle and or nationally and or the world, and uh, the Herald is your one-stop shop. And if you haven't got a subscription, uh, I keep telling people they're, what are they, a cup of coffee a week or something, the price of. Yeah, go on, shout your general coffee. Yes, exactly. Um, get yourself a subscription because you don't know what you're missing out on if you haven't got it. Uh, or you could just go to the news agent and buy the paper, mm-hmm. um, which I still love reading the actual paper. Honestly, in this economy, you can't afford to not have a newspaper. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm very old-fashioned in that regard and uh, probably will be till the day I fall off the perch, but uh, must prefer, much prefer the, the um, physical, if you like, paper rather than reading it online. But either way, whatever floats your boat, as they say. <laughs> uh, today on the show, uh, we're going to be talking to Knights attack coach Blake Green, who had 15 years as a as uh, at the top as a player uh, before kicking off his coaching career, and basically at the moment assistant coach to Adam O'Brien and looking after the Knights attack, which is markedly improved this year. Uh, no no risk in the world, and Blake Green's got his fingerprints all over that. Uh, we'll also obviously open up the Twitter mailbag and hopefully answer as many of those questions of yours as we can. Um, as far as the Knights go, well, they've got the bye this weekend. Uh, so, whoopee, you're guaranteed two points, mm-hmm. Simon, this weekend. And it, coming off the back of a win over Manly, a 28-18 win over Manly last Sunday in front of, what, 20,000 fans, great crowd at um, McDonald Jones Stadium. Wasn't, I wouldn't put it down as a great performance from the Knights. Manly had a few missing um, and Newcastle probably kept them in the game for longer than they should have, but um, in the end they got the result, which was the main thing. And um, so we won't have any footy action this weekend, although if you're keen, Knights fans, the the, uh, the reserve grade side, which will feature the likes of Lockie Miller, um, Kurt Mann, uh, who else is there? Um, just to name a few. There's a couple of others that um, from the first grade squad uh, that will play in that reserve grade team against, um, I think they're playing the Eels, at Cessnock on Saturday. So if you can, get up to Cessnock and have a look at the uh, the lower grades play. Um, Jack Hed- Hetherington, that'll, he's another one uh, that'll be playing in that game. Okay, we'll talk to Blake Green after this. We're we recording this. There he is. Reno. Hey, Phil. Hey, guys. Are we on? Are we recording? You're ready for us, are you? I am, mate. If you're ready, we can call me back. Oh, we are sort of recording, but I've got a little intro to read first before... Uh... Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess this week, Knights Prop, Daniel Safiti, Nathan Ross, Jared Mullen, Anthony Seabold, Jaden Braley. It's a great privilege to have uh, Tim Zhu, Mark Hughes. Hello, Hughesy. Mitchell Pierce, the greatest knight of all time. Paul Harrigan, good morning. Kurt Gidley, welcome to the podcast, kids. The one and only Kirk Reynoldson. Hello, Renner. Mate, I've been waiting my whole life for this, Barry. <laughs> <laughs> Our guest today... Well, he's uh, had a 15-year career at the top as a player, and now obviously he's um, he's coaching. He's on the assistant coach, or he's an assistant coach at the Newcastle Knights. I refer, of course, to to Blake Green. G'day, Greeny. How are you, mate? 
Good, thanks, Baz. Thanks for having me on, mate. Oh, pleasure to have you on, mate. Um, I guess this week leading into a bye, um, do you get a bit of time off with the kids and the family or is it still full on? Uh, no, mate, as you would as you would have uh, heard, we all went to Bali last time too. So, <laughs> yeah, it was Bali, uh, mate. That was no. good, was it? <laughs> yeah, mate. Unfortunately, no one went. There's only Badman that went to Bali. So, uh, not a whole heap changes for us, mate, on the staff. The players get a few days to freshen up, but it's a bit of a working by this one. We're trying to get some work in, um, improve a few areas of our game uh, this this time around because. You know, we've only recently just had a bit of a break, so um, the boys get the weekend off, though, which will uh, which will be nice for them. Yeah, well, very good, mate. Before we talk about the Knights, I want to, and I know you hate talking about yourself, or you don't don't particularly like talking about yourself. There's a lot of a lot of people out there that don't particularly like talking about themselves, but uh, uh, your career as a player, mate, um, 15 years at the top, so some longevity there and some outstanding memories, I would imagine, because you you played. Um, played at nine clubs and you saw uh, uh, you saw a lot of the world I guess you could say um, certainly saw a lot of Australia you played in New Zealand you played in England um, obviously some great memories there as a player yeah really lucky Baz like the way it all sort of you know panned out it wasn't what I sort of you know as a kid what I would have had planned for myself obviously I would have I wanted to just play, uh, go through the grades at, at Parramatta and, and play first grade for them for uh, my entire time. But um, but I, I learned a heap about myself, about the game. And um, as you said, I got to experience, I guess, so many different um, systems, play in both competitions um, in the NRL and the Super League and, and, and got some pretty cool moments, mate, that I, you know, I used to dream of as a kid, you know. So I was... Um, yeah, pretty pretty fortunate the way it all panned out. Well, you're a Sydney boy. You grew up in Sydney. You went to Westfield Sports High. Um, I think you captained Australian Schoolboys. Was it 2004 you captained the Australian Schoolboys team or 2005, somewhere around there? Yeah, mate, that's right, yeah. And um, was Greg Inglis in that team of yours or was he later? Yeah, he was. No, no he was in the same team. So pretty, uh, pretty lucky there, mate. We had a special one special one that year. Did you have any others, notables? Uh, not not a whole heap that, that played a, a, a truckload of first grade. We had like Kate Snowden, um, Stevie Michaels played a bit at the Broncos yep. and the Titans. Um, Michael Dobson was in the team that played. He obviously had a pretty you know distinguished qu- uh, career over in the Super League. Um, but yeah, no, no um, you know, GI was probably the most notable one. Yeah, and, and was it always your as you mentioned, were you a Neil supporter as, as a kid? Did you really? Did you always want to, you know, play out your career at the Eels? Was that always the the, the goal? Yeah, I wouldn't say I was. A, I wasn't a massive, um, you know, Eels fanatic or anything like that. I I had. I used to just support players. I used to love, um, I guess, all the all the main figureheads in in all the teams. You know, I, I loved I loved Laurie Daly at, at Canberra. I loved. Um, Cliffy Lyons at Manly, um, you know Trent Barrett, Joey. I, I love all the Alfie Langer. All the all of my favourite players were all the you know all the halves mainly in all the in all the teams. Yeah, well, you 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 played. I think you debuted at, at the Eels in in '07. You had a couple of years at Cronulla, and then a, a season at Canterbury, and and then you went overseas. You went to the um, the Super League. And that's probably where you, some of your highlights, career-wise, came. But um, you went over there fairly early, fairly, I would imagine, fairly young. It was what was the reason for that? Yeah, well, look, I was, you know, I was a probably you know highly touted sort of uh, school schoolboy, yep. and but it just didn't, um, you know, it just didn't click for me early on. I sort of it, it, the game's changed a whole heap now. We sort of, you know, I guess when I was coming through, you either you either had it or you didn't early on. And, you know, I think my first sort of first sort of dozen games in first grade, I didn't exactly light, any, light the competition up or anything like that. And I was just sort of fell into a bit of a utility role, um, you know, and just covering a few positions and always wanted to be a halfback. And I sort of knocked out, you know, close to 50 games. And I was 23 years old and really didn't have, an, have a position uh, nailed down. I just had an opportunity to, <clears throat> to go to the Super League and, and, and play in the halves and, I just thought, you know, it was the best thing for me 
you know, in terms of my development, if I wanted to be a, a half in the NRL, I needed to go over there and, and knock out some games and, and get some experience. So that was the main the main reason for me going over there. Well, you spent, um, what, four seasons over there. You went over to Hull KR initially and you actually played with um, with Dobbo again because um, he was yeah. over there playing. So it's a small world, isn't it? Um, yeah, it is, mate. And then, then obviously a couple of years at, at Wigan and the first year in particular, 2013, mate, the, the team... The team won the Challenge Cup. Um, I think you beat Hull in the in the final of the Challenge Cup, and then then there was the Super League Grand Final. And I, I would imagine if anyone asked you what game, um, if there was a game in your career, and you played, I think two hundred and sixty nine or two hundred and seventy top grade games during your career. If there was a game that was probably more special than the rest, maybe that Grand Final um, win over Warrington, because. The team came from, um, I think, 16-2. You trailed at one point in the game and you end up winning 30-16. to 16. And You were the, the man of the match. You won the Harry Sunderland Trophy and it was a pretty eventful game because you got knocked out as well, didn't you? And you, Did you fracture your cheekbone or something? Yeah, it was an eventful one, Basil. You know, probably, like you said, my me, me favourite memory, memory of my career, if it would happen in today's game... I'll, you wouldn't Probably have got it. Been sent off for HIA. You yeah. never been able to, to achieve it. I wasn't um, I wasn't like knocked out unconscious. I just fractured my eye socket and just um, just you know sort of dazed me a little bit. Yeah. Um, but you know, yeah, well, sixteen two down and playing at the Theatre of Dreams. You know, that's exactly what we got that night. You know, to to come from behind and beat Warrington, who were pretty you know pretty stacked. You know, in in twenty thirteen. Um, you know, back then there was. You know some pretty high-profile NRL players that would would go over and uh, and play sort of you know the back end of their career over there. So yep. it's sort of changed. You know, so it's ten years ago now. It's 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 changed a bit now that the way that you know the salary cap is over here, how it's balanced out. You know it's it's probably more beneficial for them to stay, you know, in the NRL. So um, they tend to not get those names over there. But it was um yeah it was a great night, mate. A great year actually. You know what. Challenge Cup and, and Super League GF in the same year, and, and the young fella was born that year as well. So it was a it was a highlight. Yeah, big one. And and um, as you as you say, in this day and age, they wouldn't have let you back on the field after you um got got hammered. But um, and playing with a fractured eye socket, I guess if if it wasn't a grand final, you would have probably come off. Yeah, mate. Yeah, well, it used to be like I said, it's changed now, mate. You'd be uh, considered. Considered a bit soft if you went if you went off, but doesn't it? Um, you know, it, it sort of entered. It, it certainly you know entered me mind. I, I thought I was you know going to be a bit of a passenger, and mm. uh, it was Paddy Richards actually at the time. He was standing over the top of me and, and gave me some um, encouraging words of advice, and um, you know, then that that's probably the you know the main reason why, why I stayed on. And we had a really good, really good side, mate. They worked hard together, and we. Um, yeah, we did some really good things in the sort of last last sixty minutes of the game, and, and just got a heap of momentum and, and got it done. Well, you scored a crucial try. I don't know whether it's the go, the go ahead try, but you scored a cr- crucial try after all that had happened. Who who was who else was in that team? Brand, uh, Greeny, oh. you've got any any um, names? Well, probably one of my favourite players, mate. To be honest, um, that I, that I played with. I, Super talented in Sean O'Loughlin. He yep. played a heap of games at Wigan and for England. So um, he was there. Sam Tompkins, um, you know, Paddy Paddy Richards was um, was the winger at the time. But we had some really good English players in in Liam Farrell, Michael uh, McAlorum that we were, you know, we were well equipped with some some high end English players, and uh, we were all sort of you know early twenties at the time. So sort of coming into some the prime of their sort of footy career, and and um, yeah. We, did a did a fantastic job. Well, I think you got beat the following season in the in the grand finals. I think St Helens might have beat you in the grand final, and and basically that was your four years in England. And you thought, well, I'm I'm got to get got to get back home, and you came home to Melbourne. Yeah, that's right, mate. I was you know <clears throat> really lucky the way things panned out. I you know I got um, I was signed by Wigan, you know to to play a particular role in their in their team, and you know Michael Maguire was at the club. Um, a couple of years, you know, prior to me going there, and sort of, sort of took the Melbourne Storm blueprint there. And then, you know, after my first season there, you know, I just sort of got their attention because I was able to to do that role in the, in that system, you know, you know, quite well. So, yep. um, you know, they sort of made contact with me after that first season, and I made my mind up that, you know, 
once I was, once I see me deal at it, Wigan, I was I was going to make the move. And I think um, what the year, the second year, your second year in Melbourne, I think you you basically played just about every game, um, and were pipped by the Sharks in the grand final. Yeah, it was. We well, had a good two years there. You know, we we were one game one game short against. Um, got beat by the Cowboys in 2015 to get into the grand final. And then I, I think we only lost about four or five games all year in 2016. And one of them just happened to be the GF. So um, it would have been, you know, it would have been nice to, to finish up winning, uh, winning a comp in, in both, in both competitions. But yeah, to, it wasn't the B, but you know, to be part of, to be part of those grand final days, uh, Challenge Cups and World Club Challenges, mate. That was, it was a pretty cool experience. Yeah, well, I know you had only had a, a, a season at Manly. That was 2017. But I know you made some some great friendships um, while you were there. I would imagine, and and before you went to to the Warriors. I know you're st- still pretty close to Daly Cher- Cherry Evans and 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 maybe the Travoyviches as well. Yeah, yeah, mate. Well, you know, to be honest, we uh, you know we. Played some really good footy there. Really enjoyed our footy. All, all pretty big footy heads that that absolutely loved it. So um, we got along really well, and um, you know it was just just the way things panned out. That um, I only had the one year there, an opportunity to go to the Warriors, and um, you know play play a few se- three seasons there. It was uh, you know came up and, and made the move. But you know terrific fellas. You know as I said that you know still keep in contact with them. Like, the Warriors um, situation, uh, or the, the your stint at the Warriors. I know um, I, I've heard you talk about um, getting your first jumper at the Warriors and and um, pretty emotional uh, presentation um, from your son, uh, who gave you or presented you with your first jumper, Boston. When I, how old was Boston? He would have been three or four or something at the time. Yeah, he was about. He was about four or five. I can't about five. I reckon. Yeah, that would have been. Um, I could imagine that was a pretty special m- moment for you. Yeah, yeah, it was a cool moment, Baz. He was. Um, you know, I probably he he's a, doesn't know any different. You know, he's sort of been coming to coming to footy training and listening to his dad talk about footy on the at home and have players around that that you know he used to uh, he would see on the TV. He doesn't at see it, you know, as he sees that as normal, I guess. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, he he knows a fair bit, whether he actually knows or he just uh, mimics the things that he sees. But he talks he talks very similar. So for him to, to get up in front of the squad and um, say his little spiel, it was uh, yeah, it was a really really good moment. Yeah, and you enjoyed the family enjoyed Auckland. We loved it, mate. Yeah, it was a good. Actually, you know, it's a, it's a great place to live. Great countries. Some really. Really beautiful people that are, um, you know, just down to earth, knock about people, so welcoming. The club it was f- full of, full of um, good people that just really wanted the club to, to do well. Um, no egos at the joint. It was just a, it was a great spot to be, mate. And you came to Newcastle, um, basically, sort of mid-season. I think um, the Warriors decided that they weren't going to offer you a new deal. You came to 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 Newcastle mid-season, and and. You're probably on your way to Canterbury um, the following year at the time, but um, as as a lot of people, a lot of players that come to Newcastle, mate, they they never want to leave, and and, <laughs> and basically that was the situation with you. Even though your your playing career finished, you didn't particularly want to leave, and you you're now coaching. Yeah, that's right, mate. So it's a it's a beautiful place to live, and just unfortunate, mate. I only got to knock out a couple of games before. Before I um, did my knee and had to have a had to have an op on that and that that sort of ended me there. So, um, but you know, I always wanted to get into coaching, uh, you know, post footy. So um, it's all it's all worked out well in the end. It took you. Um, I'm not even sure you're aware of this. That you might be. Um, took you 152 games to kick a field goal, mate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've well, done some big research here. 152 games to kick a field goal. What can you tell me? Who it was against? Who you yeah. were playing for? You can remember it. Yeah, well, I kicked. Uh, we were playing against the Sharks. Uh, I was at the Warriors uh, down in Wellington, actually, Windy Wellington. So um, yeah, well, I, I remember it. The week before, I, um, it might have been the week before, maybe two weeks before, we lost in lost in Golden Point to Penrith um, at home. So. 
um, we did, I don't even think we got a shot a shot at it that night. So uh, I was made sure I was I was ready to go in case it happened again. And yeah, we found ourselves in that situation as we often do at the Warriors in close games, and yeah, managed to kick one. 2019 it was, mate. Yeah, so, yeah, it was the 1918. I think you you beat the Sharks that night. So very good result and a very good little trivia question. Um, just, just for you, tell me, tell me now, mate. I mean, how difficult was it? Because I think basically, when you finished your career, um, your playing career—that is, your your coaching career—virtually started automatically because um, you got tossed into the um, the women's team, um, and all of a sudden you were trying to uh, get a women's team together for for a competition. In the end, that didn't um, didn't really eventuate or didn't eventuate early yeah. enough. Um, was were you thrown into the deep end, or was it um, was it something that you you know coaching was that what you were aspiring to? Yeah, it was something that I was you know always sort of wanted to do, and it just a bit of a whirlwind. We really you know and you know once I sort of made the decision uh, to retire, it sort of coincided with the, the NRL made a decision that they wanted to expand the NRLW competition, and you know, they selected Newcastle as one of the teams that they. Um, that they wanted to have in that that year, and we didn't really have. I think it might have been about a six six or eight week sort of window before um, the competition started that we we got notified that we were having a team. So uh, yeah, Philip Gardner just said, um, asked me would I like to, you know, to to coach them and 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 have a crack at putting it together. And everyone was in the bubble at um, at the Sunshine Coast at the time. Um, in 21 when, when COVID sort of kicked off again. So yep. yeah, it, like you said, it, it didn't last long. I think we got one week of training, I think, and then uh, it, it got shut down. So, um, but it was an interesting time. I, I got to, um, you know, got to have plenty of conversations and um, try to put a, a, a squad together quickly after, you know, many, many of them were already sort of established at other clubs. And, um, but, you know, it was, I learned a heap, learned a heap about um, a whole, a whole, different type of aspects of coaching and um, getting a group together well you did a good job mate because some of the obviously some of the recruit not all of them um obviously but some of them um end up winning a comp last year so um <laughs> you you laid the groundwork i'm sure you're telling people <laughs> no no not at all, mate. It's, um, really, boy, um yeah like i said mate we, we got to we got to put together some really good local girls that, that are still Still in our squad. Um, initially, they were in. They were only, you know, from our Tasha Gale system, so they were only as development players. But they, they got to, um, got to experience some training and, and be part of that. And then because the comp got, you know, sort of de- deferred until the year after, they were all of age and and got to explode onto the scene quite quickly. And um, you know, we signed a few, <laughs> signed a few handy superstars of the NRLW game, which also helped them, um, you know. Uh, win the comp last year. Well, yeah, and and obviously Ronnie Griffiths, the coach, did an outstanding job um, with the girls, and it was just fantastic. Um, yeah, to see them win the comp was great for, for great for the club and great for Newcastle. Yeah, great great for the town, great for um, great for like you said, great for Ronnie and great for the great for the you know, like the the women's program at our club. Sort of it put us on the map a little bit and gave. Um, gave everyone, I guess, some confidence um, if they were making a decision as a as a young woman to to come and, and I guess learn their trade as a as a player. That you know our club was the right, the right place to do it. Mate, the ACL you suffered that ended your career. Um, I know it, was, it would have been a difficult process for you to you know, even to get yourself back on the field. Uh, for that half a dozen games, the following following year, though, that that would have been a major challenge for you, I would imagine. Yeah, it was hard, mate. I knew I was, um, you know, I was thirty four years of age at yep. the time. Um, you didn't think yeah. of throwing it in straight away? Uh, not re- no, not at all. Not not straight away. I was just, I was pretty determined um, to get back. I probably didn't realise, you know, how how difficult it it was. You know, obviously. I never had one of those injuries before, so I don't know if, if it, you know, how it would have been if I was ten years younger. But um, I, I think it wasn't wasn't just the age thing that that impacted that. I reckon I, I rushed, I rushed rushed it pretty hard. I was on a time frame, mate. I knew that it was going to be my last season anyway, and 
sort of, you know, I come back and played in sort of seven, seven and a half months when, you know, I reckon if ideally if you had, if time was on my side, I probably would have waited nine months, you know, yeah. and, and and had everything, um, you know. Spot on. Spot on, but, you know, that wasn't the case. And I, I just, I tried as hard as I could to get out there as quick as I could. And, um, but, yeah, it wasn't to be. And, you know, I, I always knew that I wanted, because I wanted to be a coach, I, I thought it was important that I made, made the right decision there um you know I, I wanted to i want to be a coach that you know tells the truth and is honest with his players and honest with himself and um like you said i, I come back and played sort of five games and I, I could still see everything baz and i knew what i was doing but i just couldn't move as fast anymore i just thought well i think it's the right time to to stand up in front of the group and and be honest because um you know, I felt like if if it eventuated that I, I end up, you know, coaching these guys, I'll, I'll have I'll have more respect because of of how I handled the situation. So, um, yeah, that's why I did it. Have you been a bit of a sounding board for for players like Jaden Braley, who's obviously gone through his second or going through his second one now? I mean, you've well, your first hand knowledge of of what he's going through, basically. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, but I'm I'm always. I'm always there for him, mate. For advice, it's um, I've got a you know a really good relationship with Brails and you know lots of the players. But um, I think because I'm because I've been in their situation before, as you know, they can they can relate to me and um, I can relate to them. Sorry, in their situation, so it's um, yeah, he's going through a tough time at the at the moment, mate. It hasn't been ideal for him, but you know some of the you know mentally, he's he's one of the strongest strongest people I've seen being able to handle some of the, the things he's had thrown at him. And, um, I guess one good thing, he's got time on his side. Um, there's no there's no rush for him and yeah. he can make sure he ticks all the boxes and, and gets it right for next season. So you'd be telling him not to rush it, I would imagine. For sure, mate. No rush at all. Yeah. No rush at all. Yeah. Well, you, you, um, you're you now an assistant coach to to uh, ads in, in the NRL. Um, your role basically is the attack coach and, and I know – Ads has already publicly praised the job you've done with the team this year, and you've only got to look at, um, you know, the way the team's played with the footy to know that, um, as, I, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, your fingerprints are all over what's happening in that regard. Um, tell us about that role and, and how difficult it is, and, and I guess it must be difficult at times because you, as a player, you, you're out there doing it yourself and you know what you want to, want to do, but you've got to get it through to other players. Is that... Is that difficult um, when you're not actually out there, or more difficult? Um, or it hasn't been so hasn't been too difficult so far, Baz. Like I think it's important. You know what I learned as a player. You know how how you want to attack as a coach, um, and your favourite way attacking a coach is is irrelevant. Sometimes you need to attack and have a style that best suits the team. Yep. Um, so I think that was the most that was the most important thing. I think heading into you know heading into this job this year for us was finding we needed to have an identity with the footy that we could hang our hat on and it was something that we were known for that suited our team and I think that you know that's the most pleasing part so far is we found we found an identity with the footy that that suits us it, it suits us athletically it gets the best out of all our individuals at the moment so um, we're sort of in a bit of a process I reckon at the moment the first sort of nine weeks of the season we Everyone's got a really good understanding of our framework and what we're trying to do with the ball. And um, you know, the last the last couple of weeks, probably from the uh, the last sort of three weeks, we've been you know trying to add a few layers a lot to that framework, I guess. And we've seen some really good you know really good things come out of you know in particular the, the Titans game and the Manly game. Not. So, uh, not so much the the Sharks game, but we're we're starting to evolve a little bit as well, mate. So you know, really pleasing with how that's going at the moment. Well, scoring points was it was a problem basically um, not too long ago. And, and to be fair, um, we've, the team's had a lot of injuries, and and I would imagine from your point of view, not having a settled spine, particularly last season, not having a settled spine makes a massive difference to you know how you how you train and how you play each week. It's all, it's all very well to say the next man up, um, that sort of stuff. But, you know, when you're, when you're struggling for, for, um, you know, when your, you, your important players in the spine go down and, and are not there from week to week, it makes it very, I'm sure it makes it very difficult. 
Yeah, it, it does, Baz. It does. It, it does when you, you know, particularly I think, you know, if you have a style that um, that has a focal point around one particular player and then they miss they miss a large chunk of the season, that hurts you. Yeah. <laughs> Where, so, you know, the the main sort of change, I guess, is we, we, we tend to not have a focal point around around one particular player. We've got a template that we use um, that we can we can all play our role, you know, in attack with the ball and, you um, yeah, like I said, it, it's been it's been pretty effective at the moment for everyone. So we just got to keep progressing and adding to that. Um, obviously, with the you know the players we got, when we have our full complement, we got you know some elements of class that 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 make that look you know really really good. What about um, the the structure? How how rigid are you as far as um, their structure and you know wanting them to play eyes up footy at times? You know, um, obviously. You would, you, I would imagine that you would be telling the guys that if they see something on the field, then um, you know to to go for it. Yeah, for sure. Like I said, it's um, you know, from my point of view, it's uh, I love my teams to go after it and, and go after games. I would rather, much rather, us try and go after and win a game than um, than just absorb pressure and and not fire a shot. So. Um, you know that's that's been um, been part of you know I guess some of the the things we've been doing. But you know, really lucky, really lucky at the moment. We've we've got a we've got you know some people like Tyson Gamble and Jackson Hastings that you know play what they see. They can go in and out of structure quite easily because they just love the game. They're just massive footy heads. Um, and then at the moment, you know, as we've seen um, on the weekend, Kalen can just. Uh, sprinkle some class on the on the end of some some plays and just create some big moments for us. So um, I guess that's the the challenge for us is um, to to not be to not be in, in, so structured. You know we've got a structure that we can sit in, but being able to flow in and out of it is is our, our next sort of progression, which we you know we did uh, we did nicely on the weekend, but we still got some we still got a long way to go. What about the influence of of Jacko Hastings on on the team, mate. What what what's he done for the place? He's been really good, mate. He's um, I, I get along really well with Jacko. He was he was at Manly while while I was there, so you know I got to um, you know I was still a player while we were uh, when we first met. So we, we see the game the same, which helps. Um, it's it's easy for me to. To, to go out on the field and we walk around the field together, we see the same things, we watch the same things on video. So that makes it a whole lot easier. And um, he's had a huge impact on on our team. So um, we've been we've been lucky, I guess, that he's been able to remain injury free and, and still be on the field. So he's um yeah he's a strong character, I guess, as everyone's aware, mate. So he's had he's had a big impact, mate, and he's been he's been really good for us. And I guess um, in some people's eyes, Tyson Gamble, uh, you know, um, maybe a little bit of a surprise packet because I don't know that um, anyone thought when we signed Tyson Gamble that, um, you know, we thought we were going to get a first grader week in, week out, just given what he'd um, done previously. But he's, he's, um, well, basically he's the reason why Kalen's gone back to to fullback because you just need him in the team. His competitiveness, you know, um, gets in the face of the opposition, which I love, and and um, you know he's good with the footy. He is, mate. Well, we always we sort of knew what we were going to get when we signed him. We had this sort of tough footy head who was, like you said, super competitive. Um, the you know the thing I noticed with him is, you know, they beat us. Uh, they beat us last year. They had Adam Reynolds out. And he just jumped in and filled in the halfback, and they didn't miss a beat their team. And then Adam Adam Reynolds missed a few games and. And they kept winning games, the Broncos. So the, he must have been doing something right for for that to happen. And you know, for the moment that he walked in the building, he's um, he's been terrific for our place. He's he's a really good guy to have around the group. Um, you know, he's 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 a he's a pleasure to coach. He's he's so easy to get along with. And like you said, he he can stir up the opposition and provides a bit of entertainment for all of us. So it's um, yeah, he's he's doing a great job. And and what about um. It's been really noticeable this year, in particular, as compared to last year. The fact that um, that Gags uh, and Bradman and and the two wingers, you know, have been getting well, seeing the footy 
and uh, getting some early ball was that a was that a big thing in the in the preseason to make sure that um, that you know the the style was expansive and and to get those guys some early footy because that's what it's looked like it's looked like um, you've wanted to get the ball w- wide as much as you can. Yeah, certainly, mate. We you know we identified we got some guys there that you know obviously the the addition of Greg Mars who who's yeah, um, been outstanding. You know, he, gee, he just breaks so many tackles for us. We, we've been. We've been incredibly low um, on the tackle break chart, mate. At the end of every season for the last couple of years, and we need to break some more tackles to, you know, to you know create more line breaks for our footy team. And you know, like I said earlier, with our framework, we identified that if we um, we sort of just change the way that we we stand, uh, we receive, we sort of tuck, we tuck in and sweep onto the footy, which allows allows us to give the ball to our outside men at speed running, you know, and, and use their athleticism to break tackles more so than in the decision-making of the halves. Um, it doesn't put as much pressure on them. So uh, we've become a running football team, which is, I think, is our strength, um, you know, particularly with, um, you know, the Saifides and the pack. We've always had a physical pack. So um, it's sort of – they complement each other now. And, yeah, like I said, you know, Brad, I Bradman was, was very good on the weekend. Um, and Gags has been tremendous this season. So – um, you know, our whole our whole back five have, have done a fantastic job for us. What about um, improvement, Greeny? Where, where's the improvement come? Is there is there more of the evolution to come? What do you, what do you you mentioned? You know, adding layers each week or trying to add layers each week. Where where does the where do you find even more improvement? Yeah, well, mate, we certainly have to improve because we 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 need to be able to. Uh, to be good enough to beat the the top four teams, yeah, every time we come up against them. So I, I think being able to being able to uh, play consistently, play your same style in in live ball, because you know that's been a bit of a challenge for us. So you know, under fatigue, making sure we're in the we're in our in our spots with the footy, and um, you know, from my point of view, obviously, I look at both sides with the attack and, uh, and defence. But you know, in terms of what we do with the ball, it's I think that everyone's really comfortable with where they need to be, but at the at the moment, the, the next step for us is being able to recognise ruck speed um, and just some visual cues with our eyes, and not be not be a predictable footy team all the time. You know, being being predictable is good in certain areas of the field, but um, you know, when certainly when you're rolling down the field in in live ball, if you can just react and use your eyes more, you're a really tough team to to preview against. So. Um, yeah, the challenge is for us to do that in, in in the big games against the the top teams. Well, I guess the advantage of playing for nine clubs during your career, mate, is you got to play under <laughs> under well, probably more than nine coaches. Um, <clears throat> you would have played under some great coaches, obviously. Do you, as far as your coaching career goes, do you? Is it the norm that you would take some from each? I mean, who who are some of the coaches you've had, and and what have they brought? Mate, I've, I've been, you know. Like I said, it was. Um, I've been really lucky the way it's played out. I've, I've I've got a really been given a really good foundation um, as a coach because of I've been in so many different you know systems, played in a heap of different styles and under a, diff, a heap of different you know head coaches. So um, I've, I've got a really good idea, or I feel like I've got a really good idea of of how I want to be as a coach. What I think works. I think that's the, probably the biggest challenge. Um, so, you know, I've taken, obviously learned so much from so many of them. I've just taken a few bits and pieces and um, try to try to put it all together. But I've had some 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 pretty good ones along the way. I had, you know, I had Sean Wayne and, and Justin Morgan in England who, who were both terrific coaches and um, obviously had had Craig uh, down there at Melbourne. So, you know, he's oh, – I mean, he's <laughs> – if him, if him and Wayne aren't the two best at the moment, well then I'm, I'm not sure sort of, you know, who is. It's, um, you know, I've, I've had a really good learning. I've, I've played with, um, you know, playing over in New Zealand actually gave me a, a better understanding for how to get the best out of people and get them motivated when they're not footy heads because there's, there's, you know, not everyone over there is, yep. is like the four-year-old kid that I was that grew up in Western Sydney with a footy under his arm every day, you know, so it, it's, um, that gave me, you know, a better understanding of of how they get the best out of everyone and how to treat people, um, 
you know, you can't treat them all the same. Everyone needs to be treated different to, to, to motivate them and get them to play their best. I'd imagine that you and Mitchell Pierce have had a fair few coffees together over the years. <laughs> I'm not as weird as Piercy, but um, <laughs> yeah, we've had, <laughs> we've had, uh, yeah, we used to have plenty. He was, uh, He's like a I said, footy I was head still, like you. Yeah, mate. Yeah. I was filthy at the time because, you know, first three games, you know, we really clicked and won, won three on the bounce. And then it just, like I said, unfortunate time with me, with me knee, but it would have been nice to play some more games with, with Junior. What about as far as down the track, mate, um, becoming a head coach? Are you, that's obviously what you, every assistant coach aspires to. You're going to be able to handle the stress of that. It seems like a really stressful job. You, you look at ads in the press box, in the coach's box <laughs> at times, and you look at Bellamy, and and even you look at Wayne, and you and, and there's he's expressionless, but I bet you he's, there's plenty happening, you know, behind the scenes inside his head. I mean, uh, can you can you see yourself handling all that sort of pressure and stress? He's like a duck on a pond, Wayne. Isn't he calm <laughs> on the surface. He's, yeah, um, yeah. That's certainly you know, that's certainly a goal of mine. That's what I'd like to do. It's, um, you know, I'm, uh, I'm not sure how, how, you know, no one's ever sure how you're going to go when you, when you sit in the hot seat and, and handle, handle the stress. But, well, you know, I'd like to think that playing, um, and being able to handle the pressure to perform, the pressure to win and social media pressures and stuff like that, that, that happens for players these days, it sort of gives me a, a little bit of a grounding, I guess, a bit of an understanding and, uh, to know what it's like, you know, I guess in, in playing in the halves, it's a bit of a high pressure position. So I've had a little taste of it as a player. It's probably completely different, you know, as a head coach. But um, you know, it's just something you have to, yeah, you know, I guess you have to learn to deal with. It's it's not uh, it's only going to get worse um, from what I've seen as um, in the last couple of years as coaches. The pressure is is um, quite high. Well, it's all about results, isn't it? You don't get a lot of time in this day and age with, as you mentioned, social media and and the fans having sort of the sort of access they've got now. <clears throat> you, you just don't get the time to um, to build. You've got to be successful from day one, almost. Otherwise, you're nearly out the at the back door. But um, when when it when you're passionate about it, which you obviously are, when you're passionate about it, I guess that always helps. Yeah, for sure, mate. I, I enjoy coming to work every day. Really good. Really good bunch of uh, people here that to work with. Um, well, it's a close knit group now too, mate, isn't it? So the boys are sure. a really close knit. For sure, mate. I think that shows in the way that. Yeah. You know, I, I know we, you know, haven't necessarily got all the results that, that we wanted to to get this year, but you know, I, I feel like we're we're certainly on the right track. We're we're connected as a group, and um, you know, I just think that we need to if we keep keep. Uh, you know, tracking the way we're going, and we we get a few results on the way. You know, having the confidence to 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 be able to do that's a big thing as well. So, um, you know, I think at the moment, you know, if we you know continue to stay humble and work hard and not get too far ahead of ourselves after you know one one performance, um, you know, that that'll be the key to us sort of progressing. All right, mate. Great to catch up and and have a chat. Um, as I said, a fascinating. Um, playing career and, and now you're into the coaching um, all the best for the future and, and particularly for, for this season um, let's hope we can uh, string a whole heap of wins together and, and make a bit of a run at the playoffs later on yeah let's hope so Baz thanks Greeny no worries mate thanks. Bye-bye. bye bye there he is Blake Green um, very impressive um, and a lot of experience as I said as a player in, in a lot of places and uh I know he's made a big impact on this current footy team and, and as I said before, Adam O'Brien's given him a lot of the credit for the uh, the way the team is attacking and I think a lot of the credit should go his way too for for um, just the camaraderie amongst everyone at the club because there's plenty of that at the moment and he's the type of guy that um, fosters that sort of stuff. So very good, uh, Blake Green, and, and hopefully, as I say, hopefully he... Um, he continues having some success, and and I've got no doubts. To be honest, that um, he'll be a he'll be a top grade coach at some point down the track. Okay, the Twitter mailbag, as usual, or most most weeks we have it anyway. Um, Ed Peters, just not sure why in the modern game you would need to move a great broken field runner to six. 
Okay, he's talking about Kalen Ponga, obviously. The modern one plays as much as he needs to as a false six without the fatigue, or the, without the fatiguing defence. Keep him at one. Yeah, look, Ed, um, I don't disagree. Um, I think, um, but obviously, it's going to hinge on the two halves staying healthy at the Knights at the moment. In in um, and if if they don't, then um, you know there may be some issues. If you know if Hastings or Gamble get injured, then <coughs> the coach might not have a choice in in putting Kalen Ponga back to five eighth. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm happy to see him at the back, and I'm happy to see uh, Gamble and Hastings playing in the halves. Daz Mackay, any updates on who the Knights have brought in as a replacement manager? To, uh, sorry, as a recruitment manager to replace. Zemet. Uh, nothing happening there as far as I know yet, Daz. I don't know that they've got anyone. Um, I do know that they advertise for the job. I think the adver- maybe, um, not sure, it may, may close at the end of this month, which is, which is basically now. So, um, yeah, we should have someone in that job sooner rather than later, but they don't grow on trees, those sort of people. So we'll have to wait and see. Uh, who they come up with. Julian Vella. Hey, Baz, with all the media outlets reporting we are either shopping players or we have cap issues, the question is, have we cooked our cap again? Considering we don't have a star-studded roster and the cap is going up 22%, I can't understand how we've gotten ourselves in into cap issues. Well, the simple fact is, Julian, that people seem to forget is that um, you've got to spend almost all of your cap each year um, so to say that um, we haven't got a star-studded roster, as it stands, um, the Knights still have some money left, obviously. still got a fair bit of money left, um, I think, uh, with only one player left to, to come into the 30-man squad before June June 30. Um, they can pre, pre-pay players this year so that um, they create a bit of cap space next year. That's an option for, for the Knights. Um I don't know why the club would be shopping players, to be honest. Um, if the rumours are right, it's a very strange situation as far as I'm concerned. But um, I, I, I think people forget that the cap is is a drama for every club. I mean, every club has its cap issues. Um, so it's not just the Knights in, in, well, in cap trouble. If they are in cap trouble, I'm sure that um, it'll get sorted, hopefully. And... and um, yeah, they won't lose anyone they don't want to lose. That's the most important thing. The, the club can't afford to lose quality players that they don't want to lose. So uh, that would be the issue at the moment. Uh, Tom Bianchi. I'm presuming that's how you pronounce it, Tom. I keep saying that each week, but I'm, I'm guessing. Um, from the youth coming through, who are three players you expect to be pushing for grade <coughs> in the next two to three years? Mine would be Fletcher Sharp. Miles Martin and Paul Brine. Well, there's three names straight off, Tom, that you've mentioned that are rated very, very highly by the club. Three younger guys. Um, Paul Brine, obviously, is the, the front row from from Queensland who has missed the whole season after he did his ACL in the in the preseason. So he's got a, a bit of a recovery, um, but. An outstanding prospect. Same with Miles Martin, a, a, a lock or middle, as they call him these days. Um, in the in the uh, SG ball, he was SG ball captain. Now playing, I think, in the Jersey flag. And and Fletcher Sharp, the boy from Cessnock, the fullback from Cessnock, who's um, as his name suggests, is very sharp with the footy. So um, there, there's three. I could probably throw a few others at you. Obviously, Oren Keeley, who's tasted a little bit of first grade off the bench or in one game. Uh, a back rower, Riley Jones, a, a hooker, sort of a half, 5'8 hooker, maybe maybe even a lock um, at some point, still playing jersey flag. Uh, Zeb Sewer, uh, a guy they brought over from England, uh, from New Zealand, sorry, who's, who's a front rower who I think is a, a really good prospect. Uh, who else is there? Kyle McCarthy, a winger I saw last week play in the jersey flag who's come up from SG Ball, big, tall, strapping kid who's who was outstanding under the high ball um, in the win over uh, Manly in the jersey flag at the weekend. I think he's a really good talent. 
Uh, who else is there? There's a couple of couple of young guys in the in the Harold Mats, um, Connor Voltano, fullback, really good talent. Diesel Hagen, uh, a hooker with plenty of wraps from up there at Scone, looks the goods. And a couple of front rowers, Jack Hillier and, and Cody Hopwood, who, <clears throat> I mean, it's very early to be talking about players from the six, oh, from the 17s, you know, progressing to NRL, but they certainly look like players that could, could uh, make an impact in the next few few years. Or th- for those guys, probably a little bit longer, but um, certainly some of the other ones we mentioned, we'll, we'll be hoping that they um, make a bit of an impact uh, down the track. Um, speaking of Diesel Hagen, my next question is from Tom Hagen, Diesel's uncle, is the unofficial mayor of Scone. I think he calls himself the mayor of Scone, but uh, it's very unofficial. Anyway, um, he, he asks, currently we have an excellent back five, in my opinion. I agree with you, Tom. Uh, could we see Gags move to the right wing and target a right centre for next year? You're talking about with Dom Young going, obviously. Um, pretty potent back five if we could nail down a quality wing centre for next year. Or could Miller play a roving wing role? Uh, Tom, yeah, I totally agree with you about the back five. Um, I think it's a, yeah, I think uh, it's as good a back five as in the comp, to be honest. Um Particularly the form of the two wingers with the footy has been outstanding, and the two, even the two centres, Bradman Best in the form of his career, um, Dane Gagai playing as well as he's ever played, and obviously Kalen Ponga going back to fullback. So, look, I'd, what they do next year, um, you know, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, I'm not sure what they'll do. Young Price is coming over from England, who's a fullback, winger, centre, five eighth, probably can play in all those positions. So he could be an option at some point next season um, but they may also go to the market to to find a, a replacement for Dom Young they did offer Dom Young 500000 to stay so there must be some money there somewhere for, for potentially for a winger uh, Grant <coughs> if there was a dream interview you wished you had gotten but missed out on <laughs> would have been with oh um, a dream interview well look there's 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 probably four nights um, or ex knights, knights old boys, that um, I haven't done um, for whatever reason um, that I would like to do. Uh, obviously, Andrew Johns, who doesn't like tell, keeps telling me he doesn't do podcasts and doesn't want to do any podcasts. I'll keep working on Joey because he does owe me a few. Um, Matty Johns, he's another one, but he's obviously a media star himself. He's got his own podcast, so contractually. This is what he tells me anyway. I don't know whether it's right or not, but contractually he tells me he can't do it. And I haven't, I don't think he's been on too many others, to be honest. So um, Adam McDougall is one that I would love to get. Dugues is, every time I see Dugues, he tells me, yeah, mate, just ring me, come on. And I keep ringing, but I don't get an answer back or a text back. So Dugues, if you're listening, which you're probably not, but if you are, how about coming on, mate? I'll look after you. And the other one that I'd love to get on, and I'd, Nearly had him last year or the year before. Nearly twisted his arm to get him on. Ben Kennedy, who um, just hates talking about himself. So <clears throat> he's sort of, um, yeah, I've been close to getting BK on. I might have another crack at him at some point, um, but I'll probably get the same answer. And, you know, sometimes they tell you, yeah, okay, just give me a ring and I'll see if I can fit it in, but then you don't hear back. So anyway, we'll see. They'll be the four, mate off the top of my head there's others obviously too probably but um, off the top of my head that'll be the four Richard Turner hey Baz assuming Ponga stays at number one what do you do with Miller seems capable of providing 20 minutes of impact off the bench perhaps allow Crossland a breather but can he defend in the front line look <clears throat> I keep telling people that um, for you know for questions like this you know what are we going to do with with Lockie Miller, for example. Well, Lockie Miller played great at the start of the season and his form lapsed and he was pretty average. Uh, well, he was very average in the loss to Cronulla up in, in Coffs and he's he's been basically, well, he was on the bench and didn't get used against Manly. He'll play reserve grade this week. He's got to um, force his way back in. As simple as that. Teams need, need um, depth. They need players that can cover positions because invariably as this club knows big time there are injuries 
So I'm sure Lockie Miller will get his opportunity. He just needs to um, get back to reserve grade and, and get his form back to where it was, and, and um, he'll be knocking the door down, and he'll get another opportunity. Um, X Hull Kiwi. My question is, when are you getting Tom Hagen on the podcast? Oh, the old mayor of Scone. Hmm? Um <clears throat> Well, I've done 90. This is the 91st po- podcast, I think. and uh, 91, yeah, 91. I think we're up to, yeah. And I think um, from memory that um, Tom Hagen's name has never come up. <laughs> <laughs> He'll hate me saying that. But, um, yes, we'll see. He's a lovely fellow, Tom, and got a great story to tell. As I say, he's, um, he's basically running the show in Scone, uh, an ex-player um, and a really good fella. But uh, I'm not sure about um, podcast doing the podcast with Tom. We'll wait and see. Uh, Josh Watson, have you heard, seen much about the two English lads we have signed for 24 other than YouTube clips? Well, one of them, Kai Pierce Paul, is a English international, uh, only young fella, 22, maybe 23. I think he might only be 22 still. Um, I think he's injured at the moment, playing for Wigan. Um, been playing basically first grade. They didn't want to release him to the Knights this year, so they got a high opinion of him. And um, and Price, who plays, as I mentioned him just previously, playing for, I think he's playing for Huddersfield, looks the goods. Look, you, we don't know there are any young blokes. Um, we didn't know Dominic Young was going to dominate like he has when he first came out here. Um, and obviously Bailey Hodgson, we were hoping um, that he, w- he would um, progress and dominate um, but he's had a couple of well, he's had COVID to deal with, and then a couple of years of injury. So, um, yeah, we'll wait and see. There are the, big raps on them. They're supposed to be two of the best young kids playing in in English footy. So we'll wait and see how they go. Hopefully, they're they're uh, they're very good. Um, Aaron Woodbury, g'day, Baz. With all the talk of shopping best and DSAF, is it possible the club is looking to make a big move in the transfer market rather than trying to alleviate cap pressure? Um, <clears throat> I'd love for that to be the case, Aaron, but I don't think it is. I don't think they'll be signing anyone of... They're trying to re-sign uh, Tyson Frizzell as we speak, which won't be easy because there's one or two uh, Sydney clubs pretty keen to get him as well. So I think he'll be... He's the main priority at the, at the moment. They've only got a few spots left for next year, so I can't imagine that they're going to uh, go after a, another big name. And I, and I, I don't know how serious the best and DSAF shopping uh, scenario is, whether that was just a throwaway line from someone to a rival club or a or a uh, player manager, I'm not sure. But it seems to have grown legs. But I don't know that um, best and DSAF will be going anywhere. Tommy Knows Knights reported that Clint Zemmett has signed for the Roosters, Baz. Have the Knights made a mistake letting him go after we have signed well in recent times? Has Parr bitten off more than he can chew doing that role as well as not having a replacement? Um, Tommy, <coughs> I've had my say about Clint Zemmett, I think, in a podcast, two or three podcasts ago, where I said it was one of the biggest mistakes the club's made. Um, people can can make their own minds up about as far as the roster goes and everything else. Um, so, yeah, I, do, I, I, I would say they have made a mistake in letting him go. As far as um, Peter Parr, the director of footy, bitten off more than you chew, well, I'm presuming the Parry knows what he's doing or and, and has someone in mind or will get someone to do that role. So whether it's that urgent, given the fact that uh, they haven't got too many, um, too many players to sign for next season. Um, yeah, it's probably not as urgent as what it might be if there was a whole heap of spots open. But it's not an easy tar- It's not an easy job recruiting um, because you're dealing with clubs, you're dealing with other managers, and you're dealing with players. So it's, you know, and, and Newcastle at the moment, given what they've done in the last 10, 10 to 15 years, is not an easy place to to recruit for because um, you know, you know the good players aren't knocking the door down to come to the night to put it that way so it's not an easy job um, and Clint Zemmett as you mentioned has, signed, has gone to the Roosters the Roosters don't care that he lives in North Queensland in Cairns obviously uh, I think Parramatta was sniffing around Clint Zemmett too at one point so um, 
they obviously think he knows what he's doing. But anyway, um, the proof will be in the pudding, Tommy, down the track, I guess, as, as far as that goes. Um, oh, another one from Tommy. Thoughts on chasing Tass as a Dom replacement and moving Gags to the wing with Whiten taking Tass's spot for next season. That's Isaac, Isaiah Tass, sorry, um, from South Sydney. Oh, look, as I said before, I don't know what sort of um, money they've got and who, they, who they'll be chasing. Um, you could argue that they definitely need an outside back and maybe moving Gags to the wing is, is an option. Um, but I'm not sure that... Um, South are going to want to let Tass go either, to be honest, uh, even with Whiten coming there. Uh, John Pritchard, apart from Andrew Johns and the Chief, who was the best local to pull on the red and blue? And who was the best import? I would say Ben Kennedy for this question, but interested in your answer. Okay, the best local. Um, <clears throat> I'm presuming you, because you haven't thrown Danny Badiris in, you're not counting him as a local given that he comes from from Taree or Albar wherever I don't think Taree Bedgie was from um, so if he's not allowed to be included then um, off the top of my head maybe I, I would think I can think of three straight away off the top of my head Matt Gidley one of the great centres of the of the game um, Mark Sargent was a local boy um, Australian front rower great player Sarge Great fellow as well. Um, and another name I'll throw at you, Adam Muir, who I, I thought was one of the uh, one of the Knights greats anyway. He'd be in my Knights team of the whatever, however many years they've been in the comp. Um, yeah, outstanding back row, Adam Muir. So there's three off the top of my head. I've probably missed someone. Um, but I, I would say those three, John. And as far as um, the best import, I agree with you, Ben Kennedy, the best import. Um, you're talking about um, great influences of, of imports. Well, you you know, Sam Stewart, our, the Knights' first captain. Um, what a great boy he was. And there was a couple of New Zealand internationals, Tony Kemp, who I'm going to have on the show very soon as well. Um, New Zealand international um, who had a bit of an X factor, I guess. And, of course, Robbie O'Davis, um, outstanding um, import even though he came here reasonably young, um, yeah, from Queensland, he he was a great player for the club. So there's a few to think about. A um, couple more. Mick Mayer, is it a concern, Baz, how often Bradman Best gets over the line and fails to get the ball down? Held up twice on Sunday, and it feels like it happens every game. Uh, Mick, <clears throat> I've been funny a bit about that because I've been talking to a few people about it. it it would be a concern if Bradman Best wasn't getting over it would be more of a concern if he wasn't getting over the line in the first place I guess but I know where you're coming from um, and, I, and I, I think a lot of it's to do with the fact that opposition defences know how big a threat he is and, and how strong he is and they tend to try and get um, numbers in tackles and when you get numbers in tackles close to the try line then um, Sometimes you get held up, and but Bradman does get held up a bit. Maybe he needs to fight a bit harder uh, to get the ball on the ground. Um, maybe it's because he's left-handed. Does that make any difference? I don't know what what the reason is, but I I understand where you're coming from. And if I was to say anything, I would suggest that Bradman needs to be more conscious, probably, of, of when he does get over the try line to to fight harder to get the ball down. I guess uh, if that answers your question. Shawno, if the dogs are going after Hunt Hass, do the Knights make a play for Alamotti? No, nah, look, a lot of media speculation around Ben Hunt and Hass for that matter. I don't think they'll leave either of their respective clubs. I think um, Ben Hunt will stay. He's got another two years at the Dragons. I don't think they'll let him out in a hurry. And I think once they get their coach nailed down, um, then I think he'll stay. And I'd be surprised if Hass leaves. Brisbane, to be honest, so it's all very um, hypothetical, uh, and and like I say, Newcastle not in a position and don't have the spots really to go after anyone. Um, they need a hooker. I think they'll they'll uh, sign a replacement hooker. But as far as other names go, at this stage, I, they're probably not even looking at anyone um, too heavily because the player market changes all the time. Okay, that's it for the mailbag bag, and that's it for the podcast until next week until then goodbye